0: Leela? Hey. How are you? Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. It's been... 25
0: days late. <laughs> it's been a minute. What's going on? So today, Anna Young had one of her routine hearings. It's called the Case Management Hearing.
2: Hey, good afternoon. Uh, I think I see everyone. Can you all hear me? Can I have everyone identify themselves for the record?
0: It's really just a status conference to see where they are and, you know, in their getting ready for trial, depositions, whatever.
2: I'm Judge Mark Mosley. We're here for the state of Florida versus Anna Young. Young, I see is present at the jail.
0: And they dropped a bomb in the middle of it. The judge put the case over to February 17th at 9 a.m. for what he called a change of plea.
2: (laughs) We're just here for case management today, I believe. Uh, Ms. Young, you can step up to the podium if you'd like. Your Honor, Kanan Goldman for Miss Young. We'd ask for a change of plea date in February.
0: She's pleading guilty. For Anna? Anna's
1: changed? Anna's pleading guilty? Yes.
2: Oh, my God.
1: This is House of Prayer from UCP Audio. I'm your host, Leela Day. And I'm Beth Karras. I reported the story.
2: Are all of the witnesses present in the courtroom that the, you expect?
0: It's been about three weeks since the case management hearing, and I got it wrong. Anna didn't plead guilty. She pleaded no contest. A no contest plea means the person is accepting punishment, but not actually admitting guilt.
2: Is anybody appearing by video that you're aware of? I know there are some people that are watching, but. I'm one of those people. All right, good morning, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Alachua County Judge Mark Mosley brings this extraordinary session to order.
2: Uh, Before we get started this morning, the court wants to take just a few moments uh, to remind everyone of what's obvious we're in a court of law today. I expect that everyone maintain proper decorum.
0: I've been reporting on this story for almost three years. Before COVID, I traveled to Florida, Georgia, and Arkansas and talked to people who told me about their time at the House of Prayer. They told me about the abuses they suffered, the people they'd lost, and the toll it took on the rest of their lives. Putting this podcast together, re-listening to their harrowing tales, was hard. So many complicated stories. We knew Anna's trial was coming, but didn't know when. The pandemic had made planning anything more complicated, and that included murder trials. But with the news of Anna's change of plea, the next chapter was about to be written.
2: All right, Ms. Young, if you will raise your right hand, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you God. Yes, sir.
1: With that, Anna Young's lawyer takes over.
2: You are Anna
3: Elizabeth Young? Yes, sir. You're 79 years of age, and you read, write, and speak English perfectly well. Yes, sir. And you're entering a plea on case 2017, CF 4334A, to charge of second-degree murder. Do you understand
1: that?
2: I understand no contests.
1: Anna Young is now a convicted murderer. In a statement filed with the court, Anna admitted that she was responsible for the death of two-year-old Moses. Prosecutors said they were prepared to prove that Anna Young had severely mistreated, abused, and starved a child in her care. A child she left to die in a closet. It was a breathtaking moment, but it wouldn't be the only one that day.
3: And you understand that in case 2021 CF 492A, be entering a plea to one count of manslaughter. Do you understand that? I
1: understand no confess. There would be one more revelation this day. It was read into the court record by prosecutor Jamie Whiteway. That on or about November 24th, 1983, Anna Elizabeth Young did cause the death of Catania Jackson by culpable negligence or the intentional act of withholding medication. Catania Jackson, John Neal's two-year-old sister. Anna withheld anti-seizure medication, which led to her death. Prosecutors filed a manslaughter charge against Anna in the death of Catania just two days before this plea hearing. Anna signed a statement admitting she was responsible for the deaths of two little children, children who died while under her care. Children whose mothers were not able to care for them while they were alive, or comfort them while they died.
0: The Gainesville courtroom that morning was divided. On one side sat some of Anna's children, with one noticeable exception. Anna's daughter, Joy Fluker, sat on the other side. Soon after she told police that she thought her mother had killed Moses, Joy's siblings stopped speaking to her. I saw my siblings walking up, and they went to the courtroom first. Did you speak to any of your siblings? No. No, I didn't. My statement, you know, covered everything I wanted to say to the judge... Say to my mom, say to them, and say to the world really about you know how this impacted me and how we all can do better. Joy sat on the side of the gallery with John Neal.
4: The next witness for the city is John Neal.
0: Like Joy, John Neal gave a victim impact statement.
4: Good morning. My name is John Neal. Leah Katara Jackson. My beautiful and beloved sister was born July 19, 1981. My mom gave me the privilege of naming my sister.
0: John Neal told the court his sister was exceptional, smart, strong.
4: I've often wondered what she thought of me while these things were taking place. It hurts. However, in my heart, I know that she knew I was still her big brother. And even though she didn't understand what was going on, she did the best she could in a hopeless and desperate situation. She was a human being. She was good. She was loved. Kataya would have been 40 years old this year. Me and Kataya never got to grow up together. I do take solace in knowing that the last 38 years Kay has been absent from the body and present with Christ. For this day, I truly thank my God for this day.
0: After John, his mother, Leavera Vera, walked to the podium. In front of the judge, the gallery, and Anna, she delivered her impact statement. We were all
2: beat, but my baby couldn't take it. The beats were just too much for her. The pain, hurt, mental anguish that I and my family have gone through through this whole ordeal for 30 years, and now come to a closure with the justice done for Kay. Her sentencing won't bring her back, but it will bring closure that something has been done, that she was a person, and that she did live, and she did have a family. She also had a family that loved her. She did not die. She was murdered. She was killed. She was beat to death. This wasn't something that just happened, no. But it brings attention to the life of a child that was there, and now closure can come because justice has been served.
0: Through all of this, Anna sat quietly, listening, very little emotion playing out on her face. But a few times, she did bow her head and dab her eyes with a tissue.
4: Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Lori Vallow was the kind of woman who seemed to have it all. But that sweet girl next door was changing.
4: She's lost her mind.
2: So how does she pose a threat to your children? I don't know what she's going to do with them.
1: I'm Sarah Trelevin, and this is Madness of Two. Over the last year, I've been investigating the case of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. How together, police say they plotted the deaths of Lori's two children, JJ and Tylee. Something they've denied. Join me in Madness of Two. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Both John and his mother spoke of the relationship they had developed with the lead investigator, Kevin Allen.
4: And a special and heartfelt thanks to Detective Kevin Allen, who pursued justice in this case as if Katanya were part of his own family. And indeed, to me, he is family forever.
0: Kevin Allen has been a police officer for the better part of 40 years. As the lead cold case detective in Alachua County, Florida, he headed up the Anna Young investigation. I've talked to Detective Allen many many times too but it was always on background he was never able to speak on the record until now I mean I know a lot of detectives huh. they don't act like you and maybe take their witnesses to lunch regularly and maintain this relationship and feel like family so what is it that that drives you like like how did you embrace this case and are all the cases you handle the same to you?
3: I do uh, some cold case presentations around the state and around the country. And I kind of always start it the same way because I'm such an old guy and I've been in the business so long. I introduced myself as a dinosaur. You know, I came up in the era where, you know, it's cops and robbers and us, the police versus them, everyone else. And that's just how it was back then was the bottom line but i'd like to think that we all can evolve i believe in full disclosure some of my cases are 20 30 40 years old and you know the philosophy back then was you know we can't comment on that or you know we can't tell you cuz you're a potential witness and i i think that's all bs you know most of the cases even if we do get answers are sometimes not prosecutable So I think our survivors, our uh, surviving family members, have a right to know everything. And that's how I started playing ball when I became a cold case detective in Gainesville, Florida. And it's really worked for me. All the family members I'm just really tight with, and I read their relative's case, and I call them, and we're friends on Facebook, and I meet with them in person if I can, and I tell them the truth. Kevin's
0: approach to Anna Young's case was no exception, and why her surprise plea deal came as both a relief and a surprise.
3: One thing in this case just, and it was John Neal, when he described to me, and I don't remember if it was in a sworn statement or in a telephone interview, when he said, I saw Anna Young hold my little sister up by her ankle and just beat her like rapid fire with a stick or something at the bottom of her feet and legs. That visualization just stuck with me, and it would come up at the most unusual times. <laughs> and it, uh, it just know, just shut me down, just brings tears to my eyes to this day when I think about it. And so I... Uh, My wife used to um, be a shrink, and uh, I think she said the best thing to do is talk about it, get it out of the way, and uh, I think it was better after that.
0: Why do you think it took so long to bring Anna Young to justice?
3: I guess there's a long answer and a short answer. I would say the short answer is this. In the 80s, when all, all, most of the homicides occurred, there was very little inside information that had been obtained from witnesses. And we didn't have the insider, literally the daughter of the defendant coming forward, if ever I've had a witness in a case that was conflicted, it was Joy Fluker. She had this obsession with finding out what happened to Moses. She was conflicted. You know. She loved, loves her mother, and she didn't really want her mother to get in trouble. But the other side of that coin was she wanted to know what happened to Moses
0: Beyond Joy's call, Kevin told me he had the benefit of one other thing. Because the FBI had arrested Anna years earlier for giving Nikki Nicholson a bleach bath, a list of key witnesses had been compiled. Detective Allen had access to that file. And that list became a starting point as he began to build his case. You know, some people wonder, because this was a primarily black religious community cult, whether or not race played a role in bringing Anna Young to justice and shining a light on everything that happened there for basically a 10-year period. Do, Do you think race played a role? No. Why not?
3: Well, I know all of the investigators, and they're all great cops. Uh, Mike Lentz, cream of the crop. Julie McCall, I'm good friends with her, too. I think they did what they could with what they had. I don't think it has anything to do with race. I think it has to do with it's a closed environment and no one's talking. As a police detective, you have evidence and you have witness testimony They had very little witness testimony. They didn't have the insiders talking. They didn't have John Neal talking or Thomas or Sharon Pugh. And we had the benefit of that.
0: Right. I mean, Sharon Pugh talked in 92 and Mike did open an investigation and John talked, but he talked about his own abuse and Detective McCall said, well, it's too late there were a lot of contacts with doctors and, and the just, you know, cops, the Child Protective Services. It does seem like throughout the time period, except for maybe one or two years, I, I didn't see any police records, that the authorities were aware something was going on there. And they did actually go and raid the place on more than one occasion, right?
3: Yes. And they didn't really find anything. And again... I don't think they had enough witness testimony or prosecutable cases at that point. I think they prosecuted what they could. Bear in mind I'm a cold case detective, so I can allocate my resources and time. I only have thirty murders and they're all in various stages of the investigations. When you're a, a real detective with a full caseload, it's it's like an emergency room. You know, you're doing triage all the time. So if you got 50 or 60 cases, and, you know, you got to prioritize. So I think Mike did what he could. You know, he contacted cadaver dogs, handlers, and they checked the property. And I think everybody kind of walked away because they didn't think they had any authority to do anything further.
0: In March 2017, Kevin Allen got his next big break. Years earlier, Anna denied even knowing Moses, whose birth name was Iman. But three months into his investigation, Anna was called in for an interview at a social security office. Anna had received parental benefits from Moses until he was 18. But authorities could not track down anyone with that name, alive or dead. In that interview, Anna finally admitted she knew Moses young and that while she had sent Moses away when he was young, she continued to take his benefit money. What were you thinking, and how were you reacting to that?
3: I was thinking we got her. If she tells the first detective that ever asked about Moses that she never heard of him, and then she's telling the second investigator that that's her son, well, we already had a witness that saw him dead in her closet, I just think we've got enough at that point. We certainly have probable cause. And I think Anna Young realized that too. I will never forget that part of the interview. And I was in the monitoring room when she said it. She's a really smart woman. I, th- I think she's probably got a pretty high IQ and she was very strong in the interview. I think our interview team was more fatigued after four hours than she was, but, um, she looked the, uh, the profiler and said, uh, Do I have time to get my affairs in order? I think she knew right then what was coming.
0: Eight months later, Anna would be arrested and charged with Moses' death. This plea today from Anna gives Kevin, John Neal, and Joy some sense of relief that Anna is taking responsibility. But it's not the end. There are other children whose lives were drastically interrupted because of their connection to Anna, whose fates are still unknown. What do you think happened to Marcos? Marcos was the little boy whose mother, Sabrina, says he was taken to Puerto Rico by her and another member, named O.D. Pugh, and left there, alone.
3: Hmm. I believe that O.D. Pugh and Sabrina brought that child to Puerto Rico and did what Anna Young told them to do. They left him on the streets of Puerto Rico. Sabrina's been very consistent in that. What happened to him from there is just pure speculation. I think there's been little or no investigation on the ground to what happened to that child. And I don't know now if anyone could ever recreate what happened to that child?
0: Sabrina passed away before she could see Anna pay the price for her crimes. Do you think she was holding out hope that she would find out in the end what happened to her son?
3: Yes, I, I believe Sabrina really wanted to know what happened to Marcos, whether he was adopted or taken into uh, an adoption agency or a church I'm sure she hoped that he was still alive.
0: During our investigation, we asked Lauda Gonzalez, a journalist in San Juan, to help us look into Marcus's disappearance. Despite her hard work, she came up with no new information on his whereabouts. But lately, Lauda told us that she's noticed missing person posters with Marcus's picture and information have gone up around the city. The other child whose fate is still up in the air is that of Kathy Davidson, Anna's stepdaughter. She disappeared in 1973. Anna and her husband told the Michigan State Police that Kathy went missing during a family trip. There were allegations that Anna was involved in Kathy's disappearance, but charges were never filed. Her case remains open. Anna has denied any involvement.
3: Well, it's my understanding that Anna Young disciplined Kathy Davidson in much the same manner as she did our victim Moses, Iman Harper. Uh, She confined this child, perhaps bound and gagged, in a small closet, and there were witnesses that heard scratching on the door of the child trying to get out. And one of the victim's um, stepsisters or brothers, I don't recall which, opened the door to let the child out. And when Anna Young found out about that, that child was disciplined and thrown in the basement. And The next morning or later that night, when the child was removed from the closet, as the form of punishment that Anna Young had ordered, the child was deceased. And they tried to revive the child by putting a child in a bathtub with uh, cold water or ice. And when that didn't work, a decision was made to create a false narrative they took a big family picnic to Michigan because this crime occurred in Chicago. And at the picnic, they were, the agreed upon plan was that they would report this child missing to the police. And lots of resources were allocated to find this missing child. And factually, there was no missing child. That child was murdered in Chicago, and it was just a false police report.
0: What's the status of the case now, if you know? Well,
3: it's being investigated by the cold case unit for Michigan State Police, and I know there's a FBI agent assisting also. So I, I don't know if they're calling it a missing person or a homicide.
0: Okay, so does Anna Young's disposition in the Iman Harper and Catania uh, Jackson cases. Does that end at all in Florida? Or do you think there'll be more in Florida or anywhere else charges?
3: If you were to ask me if there were going to be additional criminal charges on Annie Young in the state of Florida, I would tell you that um, our homicide investigations are closed and there would not be any additional charges coming from the state of Florida.
0: Okay. You can't obviously speak from Illinois or Michigan or Puerto Rico.
3: Well, I'm pretty good friends with the detective who recently retired from Michigan State Police and I've also the FBI agent that's assisting in that case. um, She kicked butt and I don't know for sure that she has walked away from filing any additional criminal charges.
2: Sometimes we're affected by events like this so that we wonder "Is uh, where is a God in the world? But there's also even in this courtroom you hear words like love, forgiveness, mercy. I always try to remind people if the evil in the world shakes our faith, shakes us to the core, shakes our faith in uh, all things, please don't fail to see the goodness and the kindness and the mercy that is also a testament in the world. Uh, It's still there. Uh, Sometimes the world can seem very dark, uh, but then there are those who are champions of not only justice, but champions of goodness in the world. Uh, And they invite us to strive to be all that we can be. Again, thank you all, and thank you all for your decorum. I uh, wish you all the very best.
1: Whether more charges might be coming or not, the reality is Anna Young will most likely die behind bars. She was sentenced to 30 years for Moses and 15 for Catania to be served at the same time. She won't be eligible for release for at least 17 years. By then, she'll be 96
2: you have any questions for me about your—about your agreement? Um, no, sir. I just thank my attorneys and my family, and I just say God bless everybody, and I know that God knows the whole truth
1: and nothing but the truth. Thank you, sir. I don't see the prosecutor's As the prosecutors, court staff, and people in the gallery slowly start to gather their things to go, Anna's lawyer asked the judge for one special request.
3: Before the court concludes, would Miss Young's children be able to give her a hug?
2: Uh, no, I can't uh, permit that. And I'm sorry about that, but their protocol the court has to maintain in all cases. And it's just best that the court maintain that.
0: Eight days after Anna Young was sentenced, she was transferred to the Florida Women's Reception Center in Ocala, the first stop with the Department of Corrections before being sent to the state prison where she would serve her time. Before being allowed to transfer to the reception center, Anna had to test negative for COVID, which she did. But at some point after the transfer, Anna contracted the virus. On March 31st, 2021, Anna Young died. The medical examiner's office says it was from complications related to COVID-19. She had been in state custody for 34 days. She was 79 years old.
1: This podcast was produced by Kathleen Goldhar, Beth Karras, Max Miller, and me, Leela Day. Our associate producer is Alexis Green. Sound design and mixing by Mitchell Stewart. Additional reporting by Laura Isabel Gonzalez and Damon Fairless. Executive producing by Kathleen Goldhar, Beth Karras, and myself. Our UCP audio team includes Jessica Grimshaw, Jennifer Sears, Josh Lalongi, Susanna Rooney, and Linda Cohen. This is a UCP Audio podcast. For more information, go to our website, ucpaudio.com.